Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the very last PFF forecast of February. It is February 28th. We've got a good one here because we've done our first mock draft. It's a doozy. It might, some might say it's the best mock draft that's ever been done for 2021. It's sensational, a bunch of trades, a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about win totals for the AFC North. Let's rock. All right, um, we're going to get to the mock, but I have to ask you, I just have to ask you, what's your read on Russell Wilson not demanding a trade, but putting out there, hey, here are four teams I would go to. If I could do it, this is how I would do it. It's very like OJ Simpson book title-y. I, dude, I don't know. I, I, um, I think he knows, he's smart, like, look, He's somewhere between smart enough to understand that the Seahawks can't really trade him and not smart enough to understand like self-awareness on social media. So like he's in that like region. Mm -hmm. And so I think what he's trying to do obviously is to get a bunch of, to get people riled up with the Seattle Seahawks um, and, you know, kind of try to move the needle a little bit there. I don't know how much he's going to be able to accomplish, um, but I think he's certainly unhappy, but he probably does know that he like demanding a trade is not, he's going to look like an idiot because they're not going to trade him because of the dead money um, that they'll have to incur by letting him go. Yeah. It's weird because that makes sense. And that's what everyone's saying. Oh yeah. He just wants, he wants them to go get him some help and all this stuff. But I just wonder if this is the most passive aggressive trade demand in history <laughs> because I, yeah. you said you said exactly what I was thinking about Russell Wilson, which is like Russell Wilson is over here and he, you're right. He like wants to be in the media. He's put on a podcast. He's doing all this different stuff with Ciara. Um, and yet he like would be the guy that would go passive aggressive on a trade demand. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's very interesting. He also picked places, Chicago, New Orleans, Dallas, and Las Vegas. Um, all of which are either bigger cities or like New Orleans is the weird one because it's not like a mecca of media or industry, but it would be a place where, you know, he would be um, like a Super Bowl contender immediately. So I, I could see that being a thing, yeah. but I don't know. It, it, it was weird to me because like, if you want Seattle to get you some help at this point, isn't that just a conversation with you in Seattle? Like it doesn't make any sense for me to leak these. But don't you think he's had these conversations before? So like, this is like the disgruntled, which is is why I think this is like the most passive aggressive trade demand of all time. But, but uh, you know, he's probably been nice about it in private to the team before. And they probably assured him that they would do better. And, and they never really had, I mean, they did trade for Dwayne Brown one year mid season. Mm -hmm. They did. I mean, drafting Metcalf was sort of like a lucky, a lucky thing. Um, they've never really gone. I mean, they went out and got Josh Gordon a couple times, but that didn't really work out. I think part of the issue is obviously Seattle hasn't surrounded him with greatness, but Seattle, it's not that they haven't tried. I just don't know if they've tried hard enough. I mean, they traded two ones for Jamal Adams. We're going to talk about that in our mock draft here, the yeah. Jets. Yeah. Um, you know, don't- like th- those things, those are moves. I- I don't know. It's just, it's so weird for him to say that. It's like, 
this was the best analogy that I saw. Um, I think this was Ryan Rosillo said, I'm happy with my wife, but if I were to leave her for another woman, here are the yeah, yeah, four that. that I would leave her for. <laughs> but he's more like liking their Instagrams than he is like actually, yeah, yeah, you know, actually like making any moves. making a pass at them or something right. like that. Like that's that's kind of how like I don't okay. know, chicken me- shit seems a bit aggressive, but it does seem a little less than like the full on um demanding there but i don't know what's the move then that seattle makes so let's say seattle goes okay we're going to make a move what's the best move for them to make assuming they're going to keep russell wilson right what's the best move to make him happy yeah that's a great question because um you know seattle's about four million under the cap uh and we don't know exactly what the cap is you know you have you know, Lockett's like their most, their easiest, you know, their easiest savings actually. And he's one of Wilson's best targets, um, you know, but, and Dunlap, obviously they could get out from under him for 14 million. That does seem like a fairly straightforward move. So, you know, I, I think you have to go out and, um, you know, because they don't have a first round draft pick, I think you have to go out and try to acquire a, a lot of players in free agency. Unfortunately, because of where they're at, it might have to be like the Adam Humphrey situation or it might have mm-hmm. to be like a uh, Corey Davis might be the ceiling of what they can do at wide receiver and free agency. And then obviously offensive line, but you're, you're never really getting the bang for your buck on the offensive line. And they've been absolutely atrocious drafting it uh, since, you know, Wilson's been there. So I don't know. That's a good question. I think if you're a Niners Rams or, or Arizona Cardinals fan, I think you're, you're, you're fairly happy about the situation because it doesn't look like the Seahawks, are going to be able to reach his demands. Okay, I've got one for you. A little cap gymnastics needed for this, but you could probably get Odo Beckham Jr. to come over and play yeah. with Russ and that group. I think he comp- it would be a really cool compliment to DK Metcalf. Um, on the flip side of him and Baker, like where he's really the alpha there and it clearly didn't like work out, I think it's obvious what he'd be coming into um, in Seattle and it'd be his last chance, you know? So um, he should be willing to make any sacrifice he can if he gets to play with a guy like Russell Wilson. That's the move that I think should be made or they should try and explore, um, you know, to kind of make Russ happy. But I also think, I mean, it's a it's a gamble, yeah, but it could make them a ridiculously good offense if OBJ is like 80% of his prime at some point. Yeah, the hard part is, is you know, do you keep everything else fixed? I mean, their defense was so awful in the first half of the year, but in, 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 you know, they ended up being a decent defense in the second half of the year. Um, you know, they're not a complete team. They never really have been with Russ there. I, I worry about continuing to kick the can down the road as far as, um, you know, the, the, the talent there. Uh, so that would be my concern, but obviously that doesn't make Wilson happy. That that's really the rub right now with some of these teams that have elite caliber talent at the quarterback position um, is, you know, you have to win now, but you also can't leave the team in such dire straits. Uh, you know, if, if things fail to where, and this is an extreme case, but you get to a Deshaun Watson situation where, um, you know, they, they tried to win now with all the trades with the Tunzel trade and, and so on. Um, but then they failed and then they're left, you know, irritating their quarterback further on. So that, that's really a tough one. I, I don't envy Seattle's position here. That you're talking about completeness. They need a running game. So hopefully they can yeah, go to make that happen. No. Yeah, well, they got Carlos Hyde, former Niner. Last year. All right. Carlos it is time to mock. Our mock is going to be up tomorrow Let morning. Let me just put it this way, George. Think to yourself of what your favorite mock is and then realize that you're about to level up. This is the mock your previous mock told you not to worry about. It's fantastic. We had a ton of fun doing this. Remember, this is how we would draft if we were drafting for all 32 teams. So there's some uniqueness here. It's not trying to predict what teams will take, but it led to some really interesting conversations. You can read the full thing at pff.com. What we're going to do here is we're going to go pick by pick. I'm going to read five picks at a time. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about the ones that were in those groups that were kind of the most hotly debated or we thought were the most interesting. Um, and we'll go through it that way. Are you ready? I'm ready, George. Okay. Um, I will preface this first five by saying we call this the smock 
because of what happens at number two, the art smock, Matt rule and the Carolina Panthers make a big move. So at one Jacksonville takes Trevor Lawrence at two, we have Carolina trading up with the New York jets and selecting Zach Wilson at number three. We have a big trade again, Houston trades uh, with Miami. They get their pick back. So they send Sean Watson to Miami. They recoup number three, number 18, they get Xavier Howard and they get Tua Tunga by Loa. That remember that one because that comes up later. Houston then selects Justin Fields. So quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Atlanta at number four takes Jamar Chase, creates potentially the greatest trio of wide receivers that we have in the NFL with Julio Ridley and Chase. And then at number five, Cincinnati doesn't have to be mad at us because Chase is gone. So they take Panay Sewell. Your biggest reaction to these first five? Well, there's a number of teams that could trade up with two or three. So the Mm -hmm. fact that we picked Carolina and we picked um, Houston, I think sort of shows sort of where our heads are at. Carolina, I think if you are Matt Rule, if you are Joe Brady, if you are um, the New Look Panthers, I think you see blood in the water in the NFC South, despite the fact that somebody in your division just literally won the Super Bowl. Atlanta hasn't been, you know, Atlanta's in transition yet again. Uh, New Orleans, you know, in theory will be in transition again. And, um, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, they have an older quarterback. So you can come up, you know, get your quarterback, get him a year with Joe Brady. You know, we wrote this about uh, uh, Herbert. Like there's a chance that you you draft Wilson. He plays really well as a rookie. Joe Brady gets a head coaching job as a result. And maybe it's not as good of an outcome as you think. But um, but yeah, that to me, that's a swing for the fence there. I like that one a lot. Um, the Sewell one, obviously, is just sort of looking at the, the tackle market if you're Cincinnati and looking at what you're going to need to have to put together um, if you want to protect uh, Joe Burrow in year two after you did such a horrible job of doing it in year one. I really struggled with the Sewell pick because um, the the wide receiver core for the Bengals is not is not great, and, and I know that we like T Higgins, you know, and his potential. I guess he had some moments last year, and you love Tyler Boyd, okay? But Tyler Boyd is, um, you know, a, a really good number two or a pretty good number two, um, but you need to get more weapons there in Cincinnati. I'll say this about the Zach Wilson thing. I think it's the perfect move for Carolina. And the reason I think it's the perfect move for Carolina is you mentioned both the Falcons and the Bucks. The Falcons are going to give it one last go here. Okay. They've got Arthur Smith. They've got Matt Ryan, got Julio Jones. And the Bucks are, you know, two, three years, however many years Tom Brady decides to keep being superhuman. So why would Carolina not right now build for the future? And here's the other thing. You expect the team to get better next year. They have pick eight this year that may be the, the, the ceiling in terms of how high they can get because you expect their team to improve. Then they can ship Teddy Bridgewater to the bears and, and the bears can continue being the bears. Right. Um, yeah. I think, I think the thing with the Bengals is just, you know, to get starting, you know, the, the bet on getting starting caliber left tackle play in free agency is just so much worse um, than in the current wide receiver crop. If you lose out on chase um, you know, you can still go Waddle or Smith as we're going to talk about, but um, you know, you can, uh, there's some veteran guys that I think can mix in there at the third spot behind Higgins and Boyd. I have to say this too. I feel really bad for Justin Fields. Justin Fields did nothing to deserve going. To <laughs> and, uh, yes. this is not us hating on Justin Fields. I, we both were 100% Justin Fields is number three guy. No conversation about the other two. Okay. Number six, Philadelphia Eagles select Devontae Smith, Detroit Lions at seven, take Jalen Waddell. The Jets, who moved back from two to eight, take Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida. At number nine, the Broncos go quarterback and take Trey Lance from North Dakota State. And then Dallas at 10 takes cornerback number one, Caleb Farley. Were you looking back at these six, which was the one that you think we might be most close to changing if we were to do this again? Well, you know, obviously the, the, the Pitts selection comes with the idea that they're either keeping Darnold or mm-hmm. they're getting Bridgewater back. Remember the Jets had Bridgewater in Darnold's first year. Um, but, uh, you know, that one is interesting. It's, it's, they, they don't have good wide receivers in New York. I mean, Jamison Crowder was the best they had. Uh, Perriman, uh, Mims is a draft pick. 
so those those two, you know, Pitts kind of comes in there into an offense that, you know, needs wide receiver play, but the top three are plucked away. So um, you, you, you get him in there. He's a unique talent. Um, if, if he doesn't perform, and we've seen that happen before, top 10 tight ends are, you know, worse than a coin flip, then the, the choice to forego one of the top quarterbacks uh, in favor of Darnold or Bridgewater or something like that is going to blow up in the Jets' face. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the one that looking back on this, I, I was like, maybe we do this differently. Should the Eagles, if Lance and Jones are there, not consider taking one of them? I mean, they're in a situation where you want to see what Jalen Hurts has, but you also don't want to miss out on having the sixth overall pick. Now, they're such a bad team that there's a chance they're picking top five again next year. You know, so I think that plays into the calculus and Devonta Smith is so good and offers them yeah. a really great compliment to what they have with Jalen Rager. So I'm at peace with it. But part of me wonders, like, would you just take Trey Lance and give he and Jalen Hurts like every other series and just see who wins? I mean, you're such in such a the, the Eagles are in such a shitty position here that yeah. you're almost like willing to take, you know, you take one quarterback here and you're willing next year if you have a top five pick to take another one. Well, in my first, you know, in my draft, you know, we, we both kind of did these independently, came together on a consensus. I had the Eagles moving up to three. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, I think that was actually kind of stupid because, you know, the Eagles need the Eagles need a lot of players. Yes. You know, they're they're not a good enough football team. You know, they're kind of like the Jets were in 2018 um, when they moved from six to three to take Darnold. And it's like you're just setting that guy up to fail. Um I think you're doing the same thing if you take Lance there too, because for one, Lance is not a, like a, a polished, like Lance is going to take some work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's fine. Like if you believe Hertz is like sort of the backup of the future, quote unquote, that's fine. But why don't you just take a, take a stab at the idea that he's the starter of the present um, knowing that, you know, you went wide receiver in round one last year, going wide receiver in round one again, um, you're sort of building that team up. And if you absolutely flame out, six is probably like the the upper bound of where you're going to pick next year. A uh, couple other things on, on these picks. I think they're really interesting. Denver, everyone says, oh, look, they want to give Drew Locke another shot, another shot, another shot. Go pick up the quarterback annual. Take a look at Drew Locke. There's He's no sick. reason to give Drew Locke another shot. Like if you want him to compete, that's fine. But you cannot go away from picking a quarterback or trading for a quarterback because you think Drew Locke has something in him that you haven't seen yet. That, that's just ridiculous. And if he proves you wrong, great. You're set. You're fine. Um, but yeah, Drew Locke uh, is fan fiction at this point. <laughs> but I, I do want to take a second and, and talk about um, the Dallas Cowboys here. What we came into a couple of times is, look, if we're the GM for a team, we are not going to shy away from taking a position that we drafted highly last year and maybe didn't work out again this year. And so when you look at Caleb Farley, you go, oh, they just took Trayvon Diggs and like he was okay. He was actually their highest graded corner last year. He didn't eclipse 65. They need corners. You need corners. corners. Look a, at the box. Look at the corners box. Corners a depth position. Corners a depth position. And it, it doesn't pay always pay. Like if you took, you know, Jeffrey Akuda last year, Jeff Gladney last year, um, you know, Christian Fulton was okay, I think. But then if you took, uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs, like, look, like that pick wasn't, those picks weren't to light the league on fire in year one. Those picks were to do what Tampa did in Carlton Davis's year three, right? To to sort of be like, oh, this is why we attacked the secondary three drafts ago, uh, you know, with relentless abandon, because now we have a bunch of guys that are rounding into form. If you take a cornerback in year one in the draft and expect him to be everything to you, uh, you failed. And, and, you know, and I think that the same thing's true here with Farley, who I think is the best cornerback prospect and has been for a, a calendar year. But, um, but, you know, he's not, he's going to be a part of a thing in Dallas. Not, he's not, if, if you put it on his shoulders, I think, I think that's not a good way to think about it. All right. We'll be right back to the mock draft, but first place that you can go bet on draft props when they become available is DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You should go download it right now and take advantage of their offer. So use promo code PFF when you sign up and then you can bet $1 to win a hundred. If any three pointer or any team hits a three pointer in the basketball game of your choice, super easy. You get that $100 and then you can go spend it on draft props. As soon as they come up, they're usually super inefficient. Go take advantage of it. Um, So use promo code PFF 
DraftKings Sportsbook and their Sportsbook app. I should say this as well. They have a ton of daily odds boosts. You can bet on basketball. Uh, other than that promo, you can bet on soccer, you bet on hockey, the whole deal. Go make it happen. Download the app. Use promo code PFF right now. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia are the only places. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Virginia, 888-532-3500. And I have to remind you, of course, that at PFF.com, this is the optimal time to go get a PFF subscription. Why? Because the draft guide is out. It's almost draft season, but you get an annual subscription now. It's going to carry you all the way through next year. So this is the perfect time. PFF.com, get an Edge or an Elite subscription. Edge gets you all the premium content plus the draft guide. And then Elite gets you all betting and uh, fantasy tools plus the DFS optimizer, all that stuff, the props tool. Get yourself ready for next season. So go make it happen at PFF.com right now. Get into the draft guide. There's a ton of stuff in there. You'll want to be ready for the draft. Go to PFF.com, get yourself a sub. And now back to the mock draft. My favorite set of five picks is 11 through 15. Okay. Because I was, I was in the shower this morning and I was thinking about our podcast and I was thinking about what one does. Yes. As one does. And I was thinking about what pick do I regret most? And the only thing I regret was the Niners not making a move for either Deshaun Watson or uh, Zach Wilson, but we can't jinx it, Eric. We cannot jinx it. We cannot put that in this mock or any other mock. The Niners are staying pat until, this here we go the new york giants at 11 take uh edge defender numero uno from michigan quitty pay and at 12 the niners they're on the clock the washington football team gives them a call and trades up with the niners to select mac jones the niners are happy to stick with jimmy g for now at number 13 the los angeles chargers take offensive tackle rashawn slater at 14 your Minnesota Vikings solidify the interior of their defense, which they so desperately the next need John Randall. with Christian Barmore. And at number 15, perhaps our favorite move, Houston trades to a tongue who they picked up earlier in the, in the round to new England for new England's pick at 15 and Houston then picks Asante Samuel jr. Um, Houston actually, despite the fact that we can't, uh, really stand what they're doing as an organization is doing a really nice job in our mock draft. At least that was my takeaway here. Um, what was the biggest, uh, what was your favorite part of this 11 through 15? Well, the 201 was clear. I mean, yeah. the Barmore thing is interesting. Obviously we wrote the article about, you know, how, how valuable interior defenders are that have value beyond just stopping the run, even if they can't get pushed now Barmore, Barmore so above and beyond uh, expectation at his position right now. Um, and you know, the interior players are getting paid a ton now that snatching a guy who can be elite at pick, pick 13 or 14 is actually a fairly good value for the dollar. So that one, you know, that would not be, have been in our mock last year. That's in our mock now. Um, but yeah, to me, it's the two, uh, you know, trading back in, um, in essence, you get five quarterbacks in round one, um, in round one here, New England gets a guy that I think will be, um, you know, fairly good if you surround him with some talent and they have the um cap space to do so there really isn't anybody for a new england team at 15 that's going to change the direction of their franchise other than to a tongue of Aloha. now here's the sneaky thing about what houston has done they've gotten justin fields but they've also now started to create kind of a sneaky good you know defensive secondary uh secondary on the defensive side where they picked up in our trade they picked up Xavier howard and now have asante samuel jr so you know like they could turn this around rather quickly if Justin Fields is anything close to what Deshaun Watson was for them. And, um, you know, they don't deserve it, but they're getting it here. Um, I'll also say that for the Washington football team, I think this is a really interesting choice in Mac Jones that they, you know, they could try and run it back with Alex Smith, whether he wants to play or not. But I really like getting a, a quarterback who can throw the ball accurately, especially over the middle of the field, which is what he did at Alabama given that they've got Terry McLaurin there, I think you've got to give Terry someone and then go maybe out in free agency and sign another wide receiver. And all of a sudden 
if Mac Jones comes in and plays anything around average quarterback play, you're going to be a pretty darn good football team. And maybe it turns out that he, you know, continues to progress and it's not just all the Alabama offense. They, they could be really good. Like they could win the NFC East if Mac Jones is decent. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's uh, yeah. The NFC East, of course, um, being a, you know, being what it is, but yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, not that's good. an interesting one where I think, you know, you know, when I'm sort of looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's really Washington's only recourse. He kind of reminds me of Kirk Cousins. Now, the interesting thing is his cousins went fourth round in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're having to trade up to get Jones um, with pick 12 here. But if the outcomes are the same, you know, the price is pretty low for the quarterback like that. So, um, yeah. Going to pick number 16, the Arizona Cardinals at 16 take Patrick Sertan Jr., replacing Patrick Peterson, who's been so fantastic for them for so long. At 17, the Raiders go Rashad Bateman, who uh, tweeted out that he ran sub 4-4, which was pretty impressive. You love to see it. Um, at 18, Houston via Miami takes Aziz Ojulari, edge defender from Georgia. At 19, the Niners, who just moved back from 12, take J.C. Horn, cornerback was working out with Jalen Ramsey this past um, weekend and a guy that Richard Sherman has talked about uh, really liking. So they maybe get the replacement for Sherman there. And then at 20, the bears take Christian Dershaw, uh offensive tackle could have easily been taken ahead of Rashawn Slater. He, he projected um, even slightly better from a pressure rate allowed standpoint than Rashawn Slater. Uh, what was your favorite pick here? Uh, I like the horn pick, um, you know, the Bateman pick is also great. You know, it's, it's again, an example of a team taking a guy at a position one year and not shying away another yes. year, especially a position like wide receiver, where we know you need depth there. They just got rid of Tyra Williams, who they signed to a big deal who did not work out. Horn is another one too. Like the Niners need cornerback play. We wish they would have gone and gotten it uh, during last year's draft, but you know, in the first rounds or so, um, but they didn't. And, and that, you know, that that's what happens. But um, yeah, I like, I like that pick a lot. I, you know um, he, he, he's one that always pops up in my projections, our projections. I really like the Raiders going and getting Bateman. Um, if you're going to try and compete in that division with the Chargers, I mean, you might have the worst quarterback eventually. Right, right. With, with the Chargers and Herbert and that offense looking on the come up and then the Broncos, potentially they could make a move at quarterback. And then of course you have the chiefs, you go, well, what do I need? I need an explosive offense. I think if you're going to go in on Derek Carr, you've got to give him weapons. Um, and, and Bateman is, I mean, if he, if you miss on rugs or if rugs develops, Bateman figures to help either way, right? Um, because rugs can be that speed element. Um, and Bateman obviously is no slouch uh, himself. I really like that move for the Raiders. Okay. 21, the Indianapolis Colts take Trayvon Mooring safety. Tennessee at 22 takes Gregory Rousseau from Miami. 23, the Jets get a receiver for Sam Darnold, another receiver. So they go Kyle Pitts and then Rondale Moore. And then at 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers take offensive weapon Kadarius Toney, Florida. And then the Jags, who have this pick from the Seahawks for Jamal Adams, take offensive tackle USC, Elijah Farah Tucker. Uh, favorite pick here? Uh I, I like the Rondo Moore pick. <laughs> you know, I think that that gives whomever is playing quarterback for the Jets a fighting chance. Um, the Rousseau pick is more of a need than anything, um, but he's also a very good athlete. Sat out this year, though, um, you know, is one where, you know, you're making a projection. Indianapolis, t- Traven Morig is a tra- you know is an Indianapolis pick. So all of these sort of make sense. My favorite, I think, is Rondell Moore. Um, give, give, your, give the quarterback that you never really gave a fighting chance. Give him a fighting chance. You know what my favorite pick is. It's obviously Kadarius Tony, and I am a sucker for athleticism. Tony can score from anywhere, but it should be noted um, he he did really well on the few deep targets that he did get. He's still really raw, but I love what this does either for extending Ben Roethlisberger's career or for whoever the next quarterback is there. Because you look at his heat maps that you can see in the in the PFF draft guide, um, and Tony just lights up the middle of the field. And that is where big Ben is going to be needing to throw the ball. Cause he threw it in an average of 2.2 seconds last season. So um, I think it fits really well for extending Ben Roethlisberger's career and making the Steelers offense um, 
kind of, you know, electric, which is what it could be if Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool um, continue to improve. So I really like that for the Pittsburgh Steelers, regardless of who the quarterback is. Okay. The last set here, we're going to go 26 through 32. Cleveland Browns, Micah Parsons, linebacker slash edge rusher. He's a freak. The Baltimore Ravens at 27 take off to tackle Tevin Jenkins at 28 New Orleans. This is kind of a surprise for a lot of people, but it might be one of my favorite picks. Terrence Marshall, Jr. Wide receiver, LSU green Bay Packers receiver. No, no, they're Come going on. defense. Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa at number 30, the Buffalo bills take Jason away in a manger 31. The Kansas city chiefs take wide receiver, Elijah Moore and 32. The Tampa Bay bucks make a strength, even stronger with our Darius Washington safety slash slot defender from TCU, your chiefs going wide receiver. I think you have to, I mean, at the tackle, there's a ton of tackle, um, you know, options later on. Um, so, you know, I think you, you make what is kind of, you know, sneakily a strength, another strength here. Um, but you know, they, they were fall by the fact that, you know, when, when it mattered most in the Super Bowl last year, they, they struggled, um, you know, in the sort of secondary tertiary wide receiver position with Sammy Watkins being slowed and say, and uh, Nicole Hardman sort of not having quite emerged from, you know, his sort of gadget position. They need a wide receiver to complement um, Tyree Kill and they've needed one for a while. And uh, to me, that, to me, that's how you do it. And, and um, there's also a sneaky thing here, George, which is, when you have a superstar quarterback, I think you have to get out ahead of what the Russ, Russell Wilson's yeah. complaining about, about what Deshaun Watson's complaining about. Like you're in it for the long haul with Mahomes, um, but you know, you, I think you have to you have to continue to make him happy. I couldn't decide what my favorite picks in this section were. So I have two, and they tie. The New Orleans Saints taking Terrence Marshall Jr., who is going to suffer from even more than what Justin Jefferson suffered from. He played in the slot a ton. That was obviously a question mark for Justin Jefferson. But he also dealt with the bad side of the LSU team, right? And Justin Jefferson had that incredible season with Joe Burrow. Terrence Marshall gets nowhere near that opportunity. 150-plus pass rating on throws, 10-plus yards downfield. 6'3", dude is an absolute freak. And you think about Jameis Winston, who wants to push the ball downfield. I think Marshall will be able to play in the slot and a little bit out wide. Um, and you've got obviously Michael Thomas there already. So I think this gives Jameis Winston, Sean Payton, a chance to be electric. And then our Darius Washington slot defender slash safety from TCU. The dude's like 5'8", but he's an absolute maniac. Incredible instincts. Um, I loved what Michael Renner wrote about him in the draft guide. Said like, if he were six feet tall, he'd be a top 10 pick. Gives a little honey badger vibe, uh, which you love. And if you look at what the Tampa Bay Bucks have done, they have invested in receivers and defensive backs. It has paid off for them. They continue to do that. Jason Licht making, uh, uh, continuing to be the best drafter, uh, as Timo Riske wrote uh, on PFF.com last week. That's our mock. You can go check it out on PFF.com. You can go hate on it on Twitter or in the comment section. We enjoy it. Um, anything that you have, uh, throw it our way. Um, and we'll have version two in, in maybe a month or so before the draft. Yeah. Okay. Last thing we're going to do for the podcast today is we're going to keep guessing the win totals. Win totals have not been released yet. There are division odds out. We don't know if there's going to be a 17th game or not. We are doing, so we, the, we're assuming 16 games for the, for the peanut gallery, by the way, we are doing the AFC North, a fun division to talk about here. Um, and I, I want to preface this by saying I had to go look up. I, I almost wanted to guess the division odds because I wasn't quite sure what they would be. So I went on DraftKings.com. The Ravens plus 105, the Browns plus 175, the Steelers plus 375, and the Bengals 25 to 1. Um, and I thought that was interesting because when I then looked at my predictions for what the win totals would be, I guess I was kind of right. Um, in, in that assumption, did that, did those lines surprise you at all? They did, although they don't like when you think about, um, I think Pittsburgh's the one that surprises the most people. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not surprised by Pittsburgh, um, you know, not having a high projection. And in fact, I concur with that. Um, 
just given, you know, sort of gestures at everything regarding the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Um, The Steelers, by the way, second in EPA per play allowed on defense, uh, something that, you know, is not particularly sticky. They also, of course, had the offensive regression towards the end of the season. Let's start with, um, let's start with Pittsburgh. What did you have Pittsburgh's 2021 win total being? Seven and a half. Wow. Wow. Really? All the way below eight, huh? That's incredible. Um, I, I don't think like if all you knew about Pittsburgh was the last, so that that's the hard thing. If all you knew about Pittsburgh was the first two months of 2020, obviously you'd have a different opinion, but all, if, if all you knew was the last month and a half of the 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers, you would not consider them a good team. Um, so I, I look at big Ben. I mean, big Ben's not even like, assured of coming back there. I, I would put it as an underdog that he's any good next year. Um, an offense, they're probably going to lose Smith Schuster, which makes it harder on everybody else. And, you know, on defense, they're probably going to lose Bud Dupree who uh, you know, they have, I think it was three players with over 60 pressures and they would have another one. If Dupree had played the whole year, like they're a defense that puts pressure on the quarterback and it allows guys like Steven Nelson and Joe Bray, and Joe Hayden and guys like that to play a lot better on the back end. And I think that they're um, that they actually are. Um, and so like, I just, I just don't see it with Pittsburgh next year. I, I have them third here and I have them closer to Cincinnati than I have them to Cleveland. Okay. I think, so I put eight, I could see this coming out at eight and a half and being one of the unders that we bet yeah. really early. Okay. Um, they obviously won 12 games last year. They were seven and two in one score games. Um, that That is going to regress. Yeah. I could just tell you that right now. Um, in addition to everything else that could regress, like Big yeah, Ben. Exactly. I, mean, I mean, Big Ben's simply not a good quarterback last year. Like uh, he'd have to, like for him to have a season similar to Brady's this year, even he'd act like he was worse than Brady was the previous year in, in New England. And New England wasn't working with anything. Whereas I think, the stable of receivers that Pittsburgh has is pretty good. So um, I don't know, man, over under number of Dwayne Haskins starts two and a half. Uh, I will go under. I think he makes two. Okay. You think they just play out. Okay. I also, I have really, it's really hard for me to back Dwayne Haskins right now. Like the work ethic thing, like you're just not going to, you're just not going to make it. Um, I would love them to, I'd love them to bring in a real quarterback. Um, don't you think Teddy Bridgewater could do a really solid job with the Steelers? I do. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think any team, I think any team that emphasizes is, is Teddy Bridgewater, a improvement over big Ben. Yeah. I think any team that emphasizes a short passing game could benefit Sorry, any team that emphasizes a short passing game with yards after the catch whose quarterback currently sucks could benefit from the acquisition of one uh uh of one uh you know teddy bridgewater by the way the steelers win total last year was nine and a half yep. okay let's go to the baltimore ravens whose win total last year was 11 and a half we talked about betting the under everyone hated us how could you hate the ravens we don't hate the ravens 11 and a half is a huge number it's a huge number they ended up winning 11 games last year which was kind of an upset had to really like push the gas pedal down towards the end of the year um, okay. I struggled with this one quite a bit. I ended up at a flat 10. What did you have? 10 and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Ravens are well, or, you know, I think deservedly so well regarded in the NFL. Right. And 10 and a half is, I mean, if you put 10 out there, you're sort of, you know, you're basically betting on Lamar Jackson, not playing well, you know, because, they do everything else so well in, in Baltimore. They play special teams well that actually fell them in the playoffs, but they generally speaking play special teams. Well, their defense is always, you know, fairly good. They don't spend money where they don't need to. And, you know, the, I think that their problems are very acute. Uh, find a way to get weapons <laughs> to Lamar Jackson. I wanted to assume that they signed Allen Robinson in, in making this. Like I honestly did, because I couldn't imagine them rolling out that same receiving core. It's, it's sad, honestly, like for, yeah. you know, you to have the top two guys, uh, top two targets for Lamar Jackson, be Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown is like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. So I expect them to make a move there. I guess I just struggled with, I don't for Lamar Jackson to continue to 
put the team on his back as a rusher requires them to continue to be, you know, pretty solid up front. They're going to lose Orlando Brown. It looks like, um, you know, we saw that regression this year, Ronnie Staley is going to be coming back from injury. So um, I, I don't know. That's why I put 10. That is the highest one that I have. Uh, they went two and four in um, one score games last season, which I think was a little surprising given yeah. what we know about uh, John Harbaugh, but yeah, they I mean, had the tough one against the Steelers. The, the New England game was mostly weather induced. Yep. And then they had the overtime game against the Titans. Um, you know, the really only time they got blown out was what Kansas city. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was, was early in the season and was early you know. week four. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to the Browns here. Cause I have some questions about the Browns versus the Ravens. What did you have the Browns win total at? I had the Browns win total at nine flat. Okay. See, I have this closer. Okay. I have them at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. So the, the half win that you gave Baltimore, I am giving Cleveland and okay. Cleveland went seven and three in close games. That scared me off a little bit, but they were also seventh in EPA per pass play from week eight on. And when I go and I look, you know, everyone goes, okay, well, it's Kevin Stefanski and, and his offense. Like, yeah, but that offense is coming back next year. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield played really well from a clean pocket. He was top uh, seven, I believe, in PFF grade per snap from a clean pocket. And look, for Lamar Jackson, he has the specialness with you know his ability to create offense running the football. But they took a huge step back throwing the ball last year. And I don't know that it's immediately, they were 19th in EPA per pass play um, last season. So I, I don't know, man, like part of me really wants to think of the Browns as a, as a sneaky bet for to, to win this division. Yeah. The Browns season is interesting because they literally played three consecutive games where like the, the passing data is like unusable, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the, the Oakland game that was like in a monsoon, like it was awful. Then they had the, the Houston game, which was windy. And then I want to say they had the Philadelphia game after that, which was, you know, a little bit better, but still not one where, you know, passing was, you know, at even league minimum sort of like conditions. So a lot of their data is weird. Um, but I don't know, man. Like I, th- this is, this is interesting. Is Stefanski a, is Stefanski a, a naggy or is he a, a Dable is kind of my question here. If he's a naggy, like remember how, how much, you know, fans of the bears were convinced that Trubisky had it in 2018 and then 2019 Nagy basically said, Hey, we're going to try to run an offense. that's a little bit less quarterback friendly. I want to figure some things out about my QB. That that's kind of the way I interpret it. Obviously that is a low blow. That is a low blow. And I would not wish that on, on anybody. I, I have, I cannot, I did not think that was going to come out of your mouth because I don't even think of them as being in the same stratosphere yeah. i mean trubisky no, but, but Nagy, but Nagy but trubisky was, really, was like, way worse than mayfield but if you do was those last graphs year. of like pff grade versus epa like in 2018 trubisky was like off the line by like his residual was humongous there was a ton that they were doing to help him out and whether that was because they lost weapons or they were less creative in 2019 it didn't happen and you know dable they obviously do good things for josh allen they trust him a little bit but the, the question i have is okay mayfield had a good season last year. I thought he played great in the playoff game against mm-hmm. Kansas city. I thought, you know, he's had, you know, but they, but you know, you remember watching opening day, we had them plus eight or whatever it sure. was. And yeah, the they guy, stoned. The, yeah. the guy is still like fairly, like his neck is fairly like fused in the pocket, right? Like the guy doesn't like look off players. Like, I don't know. Like to me, I am just a little nervous. And, and, and again, like this to me, and this, I don't want to insult anybody. But this nine here, if you if it opened at nine and a half, to me, I would take a flyer on it in the same way I took a flyer on the on the 19 Bears and the same way I took a flyer on the 18 Jags. And and again, I, I'm not I'm not putting Mayfield in that category, but I'm pu- I'm putting the situation in that category. All right. Um, this is this may be the one where we differ most. I, I have faith in Stefanski now. I don't have that much faith in in Mayfield and this was going to be my question both Mayfield and Jackson you could extend them we've talked about this before but I want to revisit it are you extending either of those guys right now uh not this not this cycle um 
the the better I, I think and that's a great question I think uh, a deeper question might be if they continue to play as their median performance in their career um, over the over 2021 do you extend them because I think the answer for me is yes on Lamar no on Baker Baker's got a little bit of Jared Goff yeah you know well, that, so does Lamar. Like, look, so does Lamar. I mean, let's let's not. I like Lamar. I think it's really it's going to be hard for the Ravens to look at the at at players trying they're they're, they're trying to sign or players within their own organization and say, look, winning the MVP of the league is not good enough to get a contract extension. Yeah. I think there's a there's a huge like difficulty in selling that move to a you know to a uh, the rest of the team. That being said, like. We've seen it happen, and we've and we just saw those two quarterbacks, Wentz and Goff, traded this offseason. So it's a great question. I I hope the Ravens do enough this offseason, and they evolve enough on an offense to make the question about Lamar irrelevant. Um, and I hope the Browns do the same thing with Baker. I, I hope Baker continues his ascent because if you just take last year's stuff, you know Baker. Baker's got a shot, you know, and that to me, that's, it's a great question. And I think that's what this division is, you know, rife with. It's, it's what's going to decide this division, like which one of them in the future for sure. Yeah. is going yeah, to I elevate mean, their play. I mean, here's the one thing I will say about, um, about Baker Mayfield and the Brown situation is Baker Mayfield, his first two seasons, he had zero stability, right? Lamar has had a really stable organization to like help him along. So I don't necessarily want to look at it in the way we normally look at it, which is like, okay, they're three years in, like how have they done? Because Baker is learning a completely new thing. And for the, for the Ravens, it's like, okay, now can we add the new element of throwing the football? It's going to be fascinating to watch. I guess I, um, I have slightly more faith in, in Mayfield and Stefanski as a duo than I did with Goff, but, it's tricky, man. It's really tricky. I mean, which I, let me ask you this. Which offense do you like better this year? The Browns offense with Mayfield and Stefanski or the Ravens offense with Jackson and potentially adding a, a receiver somewhere? Uh, I like the Browns. Um, I think I'm the same. That's but, the thing. But the problem is, again, like, and this is, this is the question about how much you like Stefanski because – what was the Browns win total two seasons ago? They literally put this one up first and before anybody else, it was yep. nine, right? Yep. And a half last year, you know, the, the Browns are a public team. They were a sharp team when they were 0 and 16, right? Everybody bet them. Everybody mm -hmm. lost their shirt, betting them ATS, you know, all those years. And that's why like, look, if they hang a nine and a half, I just buy my, you know, uh, you know, religion, I have to take under, like, I, I just have to, but I like Jar Jarvis Landry is a great football player in that offense. Um, they did some good things at tight end with Hooper uh, and Bryant, um, their offensive line rate, right. We had Ross Tucker on in the fall of 2019. He said, look, this team's not going to be good because they can't protect the quarterback. Yeah. And they went out and they got Conklin. They got um, uh, the, the Alabama kid. And then, you Jennifer know, they, Wilson. Yeah, and then they uh, they got Wyatt Teller to be like one of the best guards in all football, yep. and and then you know in the backfield they signed the cheap running back, and they're probably going to let the expensive one go. Like I like everything the Browns are doing, um, and but at the same time, like it just there's always these question marks about these quarterbacks who when they hit the ground in the NFL, you're not quite sure, and some of them can emerge and be that guy. And that's really the question. Can Baker do that? And base rates would suggest no. But, you know, obviously we've seen it happen. I am really tempted. I really want to bet the Browns to win this division plus 175. Um, okay, last one here, the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year, win total was five and a half. Uh, they went one, four, and one in close games. What do you have, Matt, this year? Six and a half. Same. And, and – I could see here's, here's the thing. I was going to put seven and then I realized like Joe Burrow, like there's a chance that he doesn't start the season at the very least. I think he's going to be, you know, like working his ass off to catch up um, to be in, in shape to start the season. And then yep. maybe it's a little bit of a slow start. Um, but interestingly, depending on what their moves are this off season, I could very much see them being a team that people jump on and love the over with a la the, the Cardinals, for example. 
Yeah. Um, yep. And, and and that one, that one barely got over, by the way. Eight, yeah. uh, where it was, I believe, seven and a half at, you know, seven, seven and a half. Um, you know, that the the one question, but you know, I think the the bloom is off the rose for uh, you know, for Kings Kingsbury. Like we had the same thing with Zach Taylor over here in our backyard, where it's like the guys won what, like six games in two years? <laughs> like, you know, that this is really his, like, this is really his, like, fulcrum season. And we know the Bengals are loyal to people, but, you know, if they don't win seven games or more this year, like, it's hard to imagine him coming back. Let me let me tell you right now, Cincinnati, okay? We gave you Penne Sewell in the mock draft. Be happy. Um, you got lucky this year, not because Penne Sewell fell to you, but because no one, no one hired Joe Brady to be their head coach. Yeah, that's right. And you will have an opportunity next year to do that. And so, that is how the Bengals move forward. Here, here's a question. I'm trying to I'm trying to stir some things up here. My okay. hometown, Minnesota Timberwolves, literally just signed, like fired Ryan Saunders, the son of Flip, who was the coach yep. when I was a kid. Uh, rest in peace, Flip. And they they literally like signed some guy off of the Raptors staff to a lot like he's their coach now it's not like an interim thing it's middle of the season it's like i read that i'm like what the fuck is going on here like it, it it's just the classic wolves thing to do right mm-hmm. do the, the Bengals do that this year like if we're in like november and the Bengals are like you know there's two first off se- two there's no way the Bengals. there's no way the Bengals are doing that <laughs> but how cool no that how funny would, be, would that be it's like well, are there rules the against two, that? Seven and one Bengals taking on the pant and like they they just signed Brady to like a seven year deal him. to like lure him off with Carolina mid season. Yeah, he he leaves like a thief in the night or something. Yeah. <laughs> How I, great I, would that be? I'd be incredible. I'm here for it. Look, this off season is probably going to be the craziest off season we've seen. I'm here for next season to be a crazy season. But I think that's I think the Bengals at some point have got to say, look, Zach Taylor turns out was not the offensive wizard that we thought he was we need someone here for joe burrow which is strange because he got the contact high from from sean McVay. right right. um it's interesting because you know lafleur obviously got a much better situation we'll see what you know solid like the the guys that are coming from those systems the younger lafleur going to new york um interesting to see how those offenses do we didn't even talk about the salah like in our mock salah got his kittle at eight Yep. And then he got his Debo slash Ayuk in the in the late teens or like no early twenties with Jamal Adams pick, like kind of a nice come up for uh, your guy your 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 guy uh, Salah. Yeah, and now he's he's got uh, he's got Sammy D. Sammy right. D. And, and Teddy B. Let's let's put Teddy B. on the team. I like that a little battle. Okay, that was our that was the podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. We're gonna do some more um, guessing of the win totals. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys in March. Peace out.